Jeff, welcome on into another episode of the Tryhard Academy podcast, where it's always better to get good rather than get wrecked. And in this episode, we'll be talking about an archetype that involves a powerful woman from the shard world of Grixis. Even though she was never formally a part of the shards of Alara block, she nevertheless has been making an impact since Commander 2017. This woman, in fact, enjoys going against the grain, and in this case, we'll be going against the grain of more traditional styles of play. Enter Keth, Destined Mage, a woman who rebuilt herself and her world from nothing, after all. Loss has no meaning here. You cannot take from those who have nothing. Good luck trying to. <laughs> you know, you would think people are interested in Mortal Kombat, right? You would think, you know, people would learn from the story of Scorpion, right? Hanzo Hasashi, right? Yeah. You think they get, you know, you think they get the picture, right? But no. Oh. But before we talk about the archetype involving uh, Our Lady, let's talk about the Lady-in-Waiting first, right? Let's get acquainted with our tour guide here uh, through the Resident Apocalyptic, uh, Resident Apocalyptic uh, world that we know as... Grixis. Grixis, and really the CDH metagame space. So, Kess, Dissident Mage, is castable for one, blue, black, and a red. She is Grixis Shard. She is a legendary creature, human wizard, three... Power for toughness with flying. During each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Now, this legendary creature was introduced to us in the Arcane Wizardry Precon as an alternate commander, next to Inala, Archmage Ritualist, in 2016. And most recently in Modern Horizons. Did you see that printing of her? Oh, yeah. No, she's now modern legal people. Yeah. No, I'm, I know we talked about it at some length, but I mean, it's good to see her being reprinted. Yeah, yeah. Now, while her ability to fly is useful in blocking aerial attackers, what really sets her apart is the second ability. Oh, yeah. No, the second ability. And here it is. During each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If a, cast, if a card cast this way would be put in your graveyard... Exile it instead. Now, does that sound like a modern bad boy? Oh, you damn right it does. Now, if you were to ask me just blindly what this sounded like, it would sound like Snapcaster Mage. And I'd say you'd be right on the money on this one. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. I yeah. like it already. Yep, and uh, we'll be uh, consulting with our talisman case, with our tribal guide here, Kess, on our Snapcaster-like abilities in effort to hate on the opposition. In fact, truth be told, it'll get us into the mid-game where we can establish our game plan and, more importantly, creatively indulge in our dominance here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kess Grixis Consultation. This is a mid-range ad nauseum-style list that uses Laboratory Maniac to win, and more notably, is an archetype which is exceptionally difficult to stacks out. Yep. So, what exactly is a consultation list? To understand this archetype, we need to actually look at what makes a consultation list a consultation list. And the consultation aspect of Kess Consultation specifically refers to the card Demonic Consultation. And is often played alongside with another very powerful card called Tainted Pact. These two cards, sometimes referred to as the Forbidden Tutors, are exceptionally potent, but come with certain downsides of their own. Yeah, no. And we'll get into the downsides and play restrictions related to these cards just a bit. But now, let's look at the strengths and weaknesses of this archetype in particular. Right. So, why is this playstyle considered powerful and resilient as well as strong? Here's a few different reasons. Number one, the deck itself is resilient and effective because the deck itself is able to evade 
many of the proactive hate pieces in the format. Stacks pieces such as Curse Totem, Linvala Keeper of Silence, Avon Mind Sensor, Stranglehold, Graft Digger's Cage, and Leyline of the Void, and even Rest in Peace, typically see most play in these types of competitive EDH decks, but these cards don't really affect our deck so much because really it's by the nature of how the deck is built as well as how the deck plays out. Now, before you go on to say, but we're playing Kess, we need our graveyard, let's stop you right there. Having access to the graveyard is helpful for Kess, but the deck can operate without a functioning graveyard and it really only needs its game-winning combo in hand in order to get the job done. Number two. Typically, the deck runs between four to six creatures total, not counting the general, and those creatures are typically, of course, Snapcaster Mage, JVP, Bob, Notion Thief, Lab Mam, and now, from our C-19 edition... Dockside Extortionist. One of the best dressed goblins of all time. My goodness, man, that guy is a cabal ritual on a cannon. Oh, yeah! Sometimes even bigger than a cabal ritual. Oh, yeah. And these creatures naturally evade most of the board stacks hate pieces, such as the ones listed previously. It also makes the deck resilient to tabernacle effects, which can cripple some decks should you run into it. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, the six creature the six creatures mentioned, at most, the deck only really needs to run two of these creatures. Specifically, Labman and Notion Thief, in order to function, each evade most creature-oriented stacks pieces as their abilities are static in nature. That's very, very powerful if you ask me. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I hear Notion Thief plus a wheel really spells trouble for your opponent. <laughs> Especially if you cast such wheel at instant speed. Yes, sir. Number three. The nature of how this deck wins is not only compact, but modular in nature. Now, this, tech, this deck typically wins through the A plus B combo of Lab Man effect plus Consultation effect. And in this case, we have two different Consultation effects in Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pact, and then two Lab Man effects in Laboratory Maniac and Jace Wielder of Mysteries. If worse comes to worst, the deck also runs Praetor's Grasp to steal somebody else's Lab Man effect, just in case our own Lab Men get compromised. That's pretty effective, huh? Yeah, you know what else? Praetor's Grasp will get you a bunch of cards. Yeah, it will. Now, to be fair to other stack stacks, Cards such as Null Rod, Stony Silence, Collector Roof, and some other stacks pieces, such as ones that hate on non-basic lands, can be a bit problematic. And that's because the deck relies on fast mana from artifacts and non-basics. But, to combat that, the archetype itself benefits from a comprehensive suite of interaction that would, in most cases, allow this deck to interact with those problematic cards either while they're on the stack or even remove them necessary. Once they've resolved. Yeah, no, and we talked about all the strengths here, but the weaknesses of this deck, though, let's just say there's some daunting weaknesses in a list like this. There are some daunting weaknesses, and we should definitely touch oh, on yeah. those. So, number one, most importantly, we don't have an infinite mana outlet in the command zone. We're playing Kefs, right? Yep. So, not only that, we are also not running Angels Graced in the list because this is Grixis. And what that means is that we cannot win directly off of the format staple of uh, Adnaw's Angel's Grace, or even for that matter, Dramatic Scepter Combo, which is very, very common in competitive EDH. Oh, yeah. Now, what that means ultimately is that we're going to be grinding our way to victory, and these games are going to go long. We mean very long. Oh, yeah. Also, number another weakness, likewise, our opponents are going to eventually realize 
we are an ad nauseum variant deck. And that means we're going to be willing to expect that our opponents are going to try to pressure our life totals early and often with creature beats. This is important not only because we're ad nauseum deck, but because our most effective creature rats are going to leverage our life total as a resource. Toxic Deluge, Rolling Earthquake. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're talking about the two more effective uh, ones. I mean, Fire Covenant is another one. Oh, yeah, I no. mentioned that. Uh, number three, which is something not always talked about explicitly, is that there is a chance of failure. Now, as we mentioned a little bit ago, there is a small chance of failure that's inherent with the usage of Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pact, especially Demonic Consultation, and we need to talk about that. Now, in the case of Demonic Consultation, if the card that you're looking for, that you call for, is in the top six cards of your library, your entire library will end up getting exiled, and you will lose the game due to decking yourself. Yeah, no, another thing we also need to bring up here as another weakness is that this deck, because of Tainted Pack, mm -hmm. we cannot run any more than one copy of every card. That means one basic land of each type. See? So a Blood Moon or a Back to Basics could really hurt us. Yes, it can, and I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, but let's touch on that in just a sec, because that's actually a simpler matter to touch on. Yeah. So in a more real-world sense, on average, you can expect to have, what, about 70 to 80 cards left in your library before you attempt to combo off? Yeah. And specifically, we're talking about with either Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pack and one of your lab manifests. Now, what this means is that based on hypergeometric distribution math, you can expect a failure rate of anywhere between 75 to 8.5% when using Demonic Consultation at this point if you have 70 to 80 cards in your deck. This is important to point out because as the size of your deck shrinks throughout the course of the game, the average likelihood to brick on Demonic Consultation will go up incrementally. So, for example, at 60 cards left in your library, the chance to fail is going to increase to 10%. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. And so, time might be on your side as you're a long-range grindy deck trying to get into the mid-range, but you can't wait too long. You can't, you know, sit on the toilet forever trying to hope you can poop, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, no. You know, you got to eventually, you know, take a dump or get off the pot. Yeah. On the other hand, though, Tainted Pack... The building yeah. of the deck's mana base requires a true singleton mana base. Yep. Meaning we will be only able to play one of each type of basic, including snow-covered basics. Naturally, this makes us potentially weak to cards that hate on non-basic lands, such as Blood Moon, Magus of the Moon, Contamination, most especially Back to Basics. Yeah, and I'm glad that you... I wanted to touch on that, because Back to Basics is a pain in the neck for us. You cannot let Back to Basics resolve or stay on board for very long. It must be dealt with either on the stack or bounced immediately, or else you will get crippled in the long run. You can expect mono-blue decks like Teferi Chainveil stacks, and now the new Urza-powered Scepter decks to run this card into the ground. Oh yeah, and also here's another one. Fine, and finally, there are some people out there who do run and will run cards that have the split circuit mechanics, such as Wipe Away, Expropriate, Well Time, Wipe Away, will even, trying to stack yourself, will kill you. Yeah, I'm glad you, you know, you're touching on that too because that's not always talked about too. You know, wipe away and extirpate uh, have the added benefit of having split second, which means as long as the spell is on the stack, nobody can respond to it unless you have a triggered ability or some sort of a morph creature. Now, obviously, morph creatures are not seen in competitive EDH typically. Nope. So you don't have to worry about that. 
but a well-timed extra pay, if you're trying to reanimate your laboratory maniac, will get your ass killed. It will neuter you. Um, and as far as wipe away is concerned, uh, if you have a Jace Wilder Mysteries and somebody uh, wipe away your, uh, your Jace while you're trying to draw from an empty library, that will kill you as well. Yeah, no. Those cards you want to avoid at all costs. So ultimately, you will want to expect these tactics and prepare for them in advance. Now with all of that said, let's look at your starting seven to include your opening hands and mulligans. Among other things, here's what your starting seven should roughly look like. Two to three lands, a fast mana rock or two such as mana grip, some form of interaction such as a counterspell or a bounce spell, preferably a counterspell, and access to a draw engine and or card selection. Now this includes tutors as well, such as Demonic Tutor and Vampire Tutor. Our card engines, or selection, should take the form of one of several different cantrips, like Ponder, or Preordain, or even statically reincurring, such as Dark Confidant, Rhystic Study, Sensei's Divining Top, or in the case of Necropotence. Yep. Now, wheel effects can also be very powerful in our starting seven, as they can disrupt our opponent's uh, especially with respect to their starting hands and mulligans. Now, dumping your hand of fast rocks and rituals into a windfall or a wheel of fortune is an incredible start for us, as you would imagine. However, you need to be careful when using a wheel, as it will also refill the hands of your opponents. The reason why having a tutor in your opening seven could also be a boon for you, as this is because often early tutors are usually spent finding an answer, a wheel effect, or ad nauseum itself. For this reason and many more, Intuition is an all-star, likewise, very dangerous card in this deck. We'll talk more about Intuition in just a bit, but for now, let's discuss how we win this game as a, ma as a simpler matter to, to tackle. Yeah, no, Intuition um, is quite a powerful card, and we'll talk more in depth about that. But before we get to that, let's actually talk about how we win, because that's the simpler of the uh, two matters. Yep. Now, our main win conditions are Laboratory Maniac and Jace Wielder Mysteries. Plain and simple. There's nothing to hide, nothing extravagant or fancy, just these two cards. Assuming that everything has gone to plan and we've made it into the mid and late game with Kess on the field, we will want to find Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact, find a cantrip, and we will also want one of those two lab man effects in our hand as well. Ideally, we will also have Counter Magic in our hand. In a most ideal situation, we'll have just resolved a very big ad nauseum or managed to stick a Wheel of Fortune effect with Notion Thief on the field. So from here, what we will then do is we will want to search for a Laboratory Maniac effect uh, after we have those big old you know, amount of cards that we have in hand. Then cast uh, Demonic Consultation and or Tainted Pact to find something else that's not in our library. From here, we cast a cantrip, or we then just plus one Jace for the win. Pretty simple. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Now, things don't always go to plan. You and I know that, right? <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've seen me brick on Ad Nauseam with Ad Nauseam Fishbowl. I know you've bricked on Rurkthar Stacks. Yep. You've seen me even get shot out once or twice very rarely on Blood Pod. Oh, yeah, no, I, I even saw you that one. I even remember about that one time you got shit where you bricked on 40 life total. Yeah, that was getting painful. That was very, very painful, in fact. I'm glad I you think it was it. a Voltaic Key, if I remember It was a Voltaic Key. <laughs> it was a Voltaic Key, no kidding. Uh, yeah, no, and this is separate from the game that was in uh, Vegas. 
this was uh, in another pickup game, actually down in Vegas, that that happened. Um, so, like you said, you know, things don't always go to plan. Yep. We might have to play around a hate piece, like rest in peace, rule of law, so on and so forth. Now, in this case, we can then just cast Laboratory Maniac or Jace from hand, pass the turn, and then use Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pack to deck ourselves before our draw step for the win. Alternatively, you can also wait until a main phase uh, casting of Jace Wielder Mysteries. You can then use Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact, and you can just win right then and there that way. Remember how we were also talking about Praetor's Grasp? Yep. That's also the reason why it's in this deck. In case things go south, we just go ahead and steal one of our opponent's lab men or lab jays. Yep, no, that's how you break through some of those itty-bitty problems that you get yourself into. Yeah, no, it's a monster. Oh, yeah. By the way, you remember we were talking... So, now, let's talk about the intuition thing. Because this thing... Well, let's just say intuition is one of the most interesting cards in Magic. It's also a card that's normally not normally discussed... As many CHers tend to think intuition's usage is rather, well, intuitive. intuitive. Yeah. But if you know like we do, we'd like to agree that the common sense is not all that common and it's relative to life experience. With that said, let's look and discuss intuition, a reserved list gem that happens to be an all-star in this deck. So, intuition is a two and a blue instant, three CMC. It's at search your library for three cards and reveal them. Target opponent chooses one. Put that card into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Then shuffle your library. But wait, you say. Intuition forces you to let an opponent pick from one of the three cards you just searched for. Why the hell would I want that? Well, the trick here is, well, using a card like Intuition is to give your opponent a three-card pile they cannot reasonably make a good choice from. It's similar to playing Gifts Ungiven in Modern. Yep, With the added element of multiplayer politics and the requirement you have to choose three cards. Yeah, no... And you're totally right to make mention of that. Because this card is very akin to the banned cousin of it, which is Gifts Ungiven. Yep. And here's where Kess comes in. Since she effectively acts like a Snapcaster Mage on your turn, that basically means that anything you don't get from that intuition pile is still fair game as far as Kess is concerned, as long as it's an instant or a sorcery. Now, if worse comes to worse... You can use Kess to flash back Intuition to also get three more cards, which is very, very powerful. Oh, yeah. So, with that said, let's look at some of the commonly used piles that are a part of this archetype. Number one, three-wheel motion. Windfall, Wheel of Fortune, and Time Twister. Seems pretty nasty, huh? Yeah. Or how about this one? The No Pile. Mm -hmm. As in, three counter spells, Preferably three free ones, of course. And for a quick example, Force of Will, Pack Negation, and Force of Negation is a pretty interesting, tasty pile. Of yeah, that's no. a really nasty pile. That just says no all day, doesn't it? Exactly. So, the Fast Mana Pile includes pretty much any three Fast Mana Rocks that you need, such as Mana Crypt, Soul Ring, and so forth. Uh, you can even do a Board Wipe Pile with things like Rolling Earthquake, Pyroclasm, Toxic Deluge, and Cyclonic Rift. Chain, chain of uh, Vapor could also be used here as well. Yeah, no, Chain of Vapor can totally be used here, uh, just like Cyclonic Rift to take care of a problematic stacks piece. In fact, for a pile like that, what you'll want is Chain of Vapor, Cyclonic Rift, and Snapcaster Mage. Oh, yeah. Now, here's a really nasty pile for you. The Tutor Pile. Okay. Composed of, really, any type of three tutors or draw spells, although cards particularly like Demonic Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, 
Mystical Tutor, Plunge in the Darkness, even Lundell's Vault. Yep, those will all work beautifully in this respect, because you're going to find the card that you want. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, now, a typical land pile will generally include any three lands that you're looking to add for the color that you're missing. Oftentimes it's going to be either black, blue, or a combination of the two. Sometimes it will include red, though. Yeah. Now, as far as like a non-creature spot removal pile, you're talking about typically, like I said earlier, Cyclonic Rift, Chain of Vapor, and Snapcaster Mage. And when you need to get rid of multiple stacks pieces, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Now that we've talked about some of the simpler stuff, let's now let's talk about some of the more complicated, complicated piles. piles. And this is where things get dicey. Yeah. Woo boy. So let's start off with a typical reanimator pile. Snapcaster Mage. Reanimate and the creature you want to reanimate. Now in this kind of pile, it's not always suggested that you it's not always suggested that you don't use that you don't use cards like Stitch Together on Earth. Uh, often because they come with some sort of a drawback or require a certain condition to be met. Typically you don't want to use cards like that. You want to actually stick with reanimate. Now, Unearth can be useful for grabbing Laboratory Maniac or anything converted mana cost three or less and is good for uh, finding, you know, for being able to cycle it in a pinch, but it does not reanimate Notion Thief. And that's why you typically want to use reanimate instead. Yeah. So now with that said, let's look at the primary consultation pile. Here's how it works. Reanimate, Demonic Consultation, Laboratory Maniac. This is a pile that requires Kess to be on the battlefield at the time you cast Intuition, and you must not have used her flashback ability as of yet. Unearth can be used in place of Reanimate if you choose to run it. Alternate Constellation Pile. Just in case your main idea goes down the toilet. Let's actually do an Alternate Consultation Pile. Yep. And this one includes Demonic Consultation, Tainted Pact, and Demonic Tutor. This pile will give you access to all three cards, literally. And that's partially because they're all instants and sorceries. But the more important reason is because oftentimes from a pile like this, your opponent will give you Demonic Tutor, based on the pile configuration. With Demonic Tutor, we can then use that to go find Snapcaster Mage, therefore letting you flash back either Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact, however you choose to do it. That's pretty nasty, ain't it? Oh, yeah. And you know what else? Chess will do the rest of the lifting by lifting your other flashback on the other card you didn't get off of Snapcaster Mage. That's anyway. right. Now, in short, this pile will let you find Labman or Jace Wielder Mysteries, and then will let you exile the rest of your deck for the win. Now, when using a pile like this here, it's suggested that you use Tainted Pact first in order to ensure you don't accidentally exile a Labman effect. <laughs> because it because it's kind of hard to win the game when you exile your lab man effects. Don't That's you? yeah, that is true. I've seen you on that end of the bargain once. Once I only bricked <laughs> once. It will happen, ladies and gentlemen. No bull. You know what else? Here's another pile for all. Oh of us. yes, yeah. another pile. Just because we do run these cards. Yes. Yogg's Will, Snapcaster Mage, and whatever desired card you want in that deck. That's instant or sorcery. We call this assert your will. It's really more like asserting your dominance. Yeah. Because if this doesn't bully your opponents into submission, very little will actually do so. This pile effectively says, dump my graveyard now or die right here. So 
The reason why, in case you're not putting it together, is that Yawgmoth's will will allow you to cast cards from the rest of your graveyard until the end of turn. Uh, Snapcaster Mage will let you cast Yawgmoth's will out of the graveyard. Kess will let you cast Yawgmoth's will out of the graveyard. That ends up meaning that the desired card you're looking for is going to end up being the card you get put into your hand because nobody in their right mind wants Yawgmoth's will to go off, do they? Not really. But some people do. Some people do want to watch the world burn, and I like those people. <laughs> now, in more budget builds of Kess Consultation, if you really want to be a cheeky prick and goofball like I am sometimes, you can also use a pile of Mystic Retrieval, Runic Repetition, and an instant or a sorcery that you actually want, like a Demonic Tutor. And that's because Mystic Retrieval and Runic Repetition chain off of each other. It's kind of like using Life from the Lung with two lands. Yeah. You basically intuition for life of the loam and two lands. It's not a question of whether or not you're going to get what you want. It's a question of when. Exactly. Now, putting that all into perspective, there's some additional pointers on intuition that should be considered. Number one, it's well within the nature of the format to expect that an opponent will get help from other players against a common enemy. In this case, it's going to probably be you for casting intuition. So, for example... The experienced player is not necessarily going to just give up and quit just because you targeted a newer person with intuition. What they're going to more than likely do instead is uh, they're going to speak up, really, and they're going to try to explain to the newer player, don't give them this card or that card. They're just going to win by doing X or Y. You yep. know what I'm saying? In fact, every table tends to have that one player. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, that... That, that one player who thinks he knows everything. And more importantly, they're going to also have that one player at the table that they're either currently fearful of uh, or are in constantly fear of. So it's pretty reasonable to really bank on the fact that at least two people are going to be involved in your intuition pile. Often it's going to be the best player at the table and the targeted player, sometimes the third opponent as well. If they yeah, have now this sense. is a very, most people forget, Commander has a very potent political effect in it. It does, and that's why you need to be careful with a card like Intuition, because it's one of those cards that's kind of like a sort of Damocles, right? It's like Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact. Yep. It's a very powerful weapon, but it can swing backwards at you and backfire. Yep. Also, another thing about this thing is that ha timing and hand shaping are the largest contributors to sculpting a successful Intuition pile. The goal with it, as we stated before, is to have is to two for one. Two tutors for one card. Your opponent's... An even better tutor for three cards. Perhaps a tutor for one card and entomb and the other two. And so forth. It's always winning with every card you bring out of an intuition pile. So, for example, let's say you intuition for Micaeus the Unhallowed, Triskel... No, not Micaeus the Unhallowed. Let's actually back that up. Triskelion, Frexian Devourer, and then Victimize, for example. Right? There you go. Now, naturally, they're going to give you Victimize... Because they don't want Frexine Devourer or Triskelion. Or they might actually give you one of the two artifact creatures. Yeah. Now, that being said, there might be a way that they don't know about that you might have in your hand to pitch one of those two cards that they get that they tried to give you, which is Frexine Devourer or Triskelion, right? Yeah. Um, typically, when you see a pile like this, it's in blue-black Necroticus Reanimator-style decks. And so, really, the smart play will be to give you one of the artifact creatures so that way you don't have the full combo in hand. Nope. Uh, now, number three, 
learning to use intuition isn't exactly easy. It's really not an easy card to master. But we can assure you that the card will feel better and better each time you cast it. Because every time you are casting it, you are learning. You're not only learning both how to cast it and when to cast it, but you're also learning how to read your opponents. Now, this can involve, but isn't limited to, choosing the player with the least experience playing in, playing against intuition, or by even selecting the player that you helped out earlier. Um, it's in fact also reasonable to expect that uh, if you choose somebody, it is often best to choose the player least affected by table talk or politics. And I'm sure you've ran into that a oh, few yeah, times. No. Here's another thing, another pointer to put out. Intuition is a contextual at the situation at hand. It is partially shaped by what's actually in your hand, just like we previously mentioned. That also means that using intuition yourself, be mindful of what you have in your hand as it dictates what you could easily gain access to. Remember, the name of the game is Entrap Your Opponents in a No-Win Scenario. By this, against another opponent playing intuition, you could use that pile to your advantage by partially piecing together what they might actually have in hand already. And you're right. That kind of goes into reading your opponents. Like, for example... Uh, in the pile that we just mentioned, you know, uh, victimized uh, Phyrexian Devourer Triskelion, you might reasonably expect that they might have Necrotic Ooze in hand or can get access to it or have some sort of a tutor, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely. And so that literally telegraphs what they have going for them. So knowing that that's the case, you can then prepare yourself accordingly in order to stop that intuition pile. Last but not least... Intuition does require a legal opponent to target in order to resolve. Now, it may not seem apparent off the side, but this is very important, in fact, because it can result in several specific important corner cases. Number one, a target has to be chosen upon cast. And unlike fact or fiction, or hell, even more aptly with Tastic or the Golden Fang, you can't, still, you can't really start resolving the spell and then pick your opponent afterwards. This really needs to be factored into your decision when you're casting intuition in the first place. Number two. An opponent can scoop in response to you, cast the intuition. This will fizzle the spell, and you will not get to choose a new opponent. Singularly, any effect that provides hexproof, shroud, or protection to the targeted opponent will also counter intuition. And now you understand why people will oftentimes get taxing probe themselves... Uh, whenever they're trying to deck themselves out with Laboratory Maniac. Yep. Number three, intuition can be misdirected. Remember, it's a targeted spell. So make sure that your negotiation skills and your politicking skills are on point if that ever does happen. Because it can and it will happen. Number four, and this one is actually kind of funny though. Yep. If you're somehow able to mind control an opponent through the usage of a mind slaver effect or some other effect that comes out in the future... Then cast Intuition on their turn. Then you choose, as the controller of Intuition, can choose your mind control opponent as your target. This means that you'll be able to 100% guarantee what you want. It's kind of a dirty trick, but it will get the job done. Hilariously, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually done that a couple of times before. I actually Praetor's grasped somebody's Mind Slaver. And uh, I Mind Slavered them with the effect. Then on their turn, cast Intuition, targeting them. Yep. That can and does happen. Now, likewise, if you're under the effect of a Mind Slaver effect and the opponent controlling you casts Intuition from your hand, 
they can turn this card against you by making themselves the target for intuition. And here's where really things get nasty. In this case, what they will do is they will use your intuition ultimately to double entomb your lab man and your lab jace, which will leave them exposed to graveyard hit. That is something we cannot afford to happen. Yep. Now, and if they got a grave hate piece on the battlefield? You're dead on board. Yay. You may as well scoop your cards up and pack it up. Now, while the aforementioned points are typically corner cases, they're nonetheless worth exploring as Intuition is one of those cards that can either destroy a table or can kill you. Frankly, we believe that this is a card that deserves its own primer given its power level. And as you can see just from this discussion, you can see why, because it's really that powerful of a card. It is kind of dirty. Now, Grix's Consultation, just in conclusion, is a decent archetype to take into a blind meta, especially if the meta that you go into features other mid-range, control, and stack strategies. Likewise, it does a very good job of hating on creature-based strategies and combos. However... It can be demanding in terms of threat assessment, making it very tricky to pilot. And not being able to win directly off of any of the format staple A plus B two card combos also can limit the speed of the deck, which is why I said earlier, be prepared to grind. Yeah, no, this is not a deck. This is a very advanced level deck. Yes, it is. That you have to pilot here. And this deck could either, basically let's put it this way, this deck either wins like a bomb goes off out of nowhere and wins the game or it can literally fizzle and just make you look dumb there going sitting at the table going uh what do i do now whoops whoops this just happened uh, yep <laughs> i'll tell you i was once in the game not too long ago and um i um uh, actually uh, demonic consultation for laboratory maniac right and i had kess on the field so my natural thinking was cast demonic consultation haven't casted anything yet from the graveyard. I'll just go find my lab man, play lab man, deck myself, right? Yep. Get, guess what was in the first top six of my cards? Let me guess. A lab man that you're looking for. That's correct. In fact, it was it was actually Jace Wielder of Mysteries that I was looking for um, that uh, was in the top six. And I just ended up having to brick on that one. That did not feel good. Nope. But, quite sadly... That's all the time we have for this episode of the Triart Academy. Yep, that is all the time that we have for this episode of the Triart Academy. If you like this content, you want to hear more content like this, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, it's, it's always, always better, better to get, get good rather than get wrecked. wrecked.